Joshua chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, the second lot came out for Shimon, or Simeon, for the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families. And their inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. They had in their inheritance Beersheba, Sheba, Moladah, Hatzar, Shol, Bala, Etzim, El Tolad, Betul, Horma, Ziklach, Beth, Markabot, Hatzar, Susa, Bet Leboot, and Sharuhin, 13 cities in their villages, Ain, Remon, Ether, and Ashan, four cities in their villages. And all the villages that were all around these cities as far as Baalat, Be'ir, Ramah of the south, this was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families. The inheritance of the children of Simeon was included in the share of the children of Judah. For the share of the children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon and their inheritance had their inheritance within the inheritance of that people. Chapter 19 continues to document the inheritance of the land to the tribes of Israel. In chapter 18, we saw the towns and territories that were given to Benjamin and the placement of Benjamin between the tribe of Judah and Ephraim or Ephraim, offered a picture of God's protection and security that was offered to Joseph's younger brother. Now we read, now we read about the towns and the territories that are given to the tribes of Simeon in verses 1 through 9, Zebulon in verses 10 through 16, Issachar in verses 17 through 23, and then Azure in verses uh, 32 through 39, and Dan in verses 40 through 48. And finally, at the end of the chapter, we're going to see a special gift given to Joshua, any town he wants. The surprise is the choice that he makes, a rather unimpressive piece of property called Timat Serah, and it was located in the territory that belonged to Ephraim. So, again, Bible student, child of God, lover of the word of God, you should be asking yourself several questions. Why does God, by his Holy Spirit, devote so much time in his word detailing the people and their inheritance? And hopefully by now you understand in part the point. God doesn't separate his children from the land. The land and the people go together. The Lord gave his people Canaan. The Lord gave the individual tribes the sections of the land. And even though you're reading these several verses and these strange geographies, and I'm, I'm hoping that at some time um, we'll have once again 
the, the, the map that comes up. I've talked about the division of the land among the tribes, Phoenicia to the, the north. As you go to um, the, 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 the east side of the Jordan, you've got East Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben. And it's hard maybe to visualize in your mind without a map in front of you. Simeon, Judah, Dan, Benjamin, Ephraim, Manasseh, Zebulon, Issachar. But there is a geography that accompanies the land. The Lord is concerned about each tribe and each section. And so it is with you. And so it is with me. You may not be feeling it tonight. You may not be thinking, wow, is the Lord concerned about me? Is the Lord concerned about what God has appointed for me and given to me and allowed me to possess? And the answer is yes. At the end of the chapter, like I said, Joshua is going to be given a special portion And I'm going to invite you once again to pray and think and ask questions as you read. Because in this first part, we see a lesson in humility. Look what it says in verse 1. The second lot came out for Simeon. The first lot came out for Benjamin. For the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families and their inheritance, was within the inheritance of Judah. Why was the inheritance of Simeon within the borders of Judah? Now remember who Judah is. This is the royal tribe. This is the the tribe that's going to eventually produce the series of kings who will lead first Israel and then Judah. David. And then David's famous son. Your Savior, Jesus. The territory of Judah was more than Judah could really handle. See what it says in verse 9? And so in a spirit of humility and compassion, the tribe of Judah is going to be called upon to accept lowly Simeon and the Simeonites into their territory. Now again, That's exactly what Jesus does. He accepts the lowly. He accepts the needy. In other words, often the world is filled with people who will never have as much as you, either physically or financially, and most certainly spiritually. As you look around in the world in which you live, people are empty. They are hurt. They are desperate about their condition. They don't know what you know. That Jesus is the Lord and that he is the Savior. And so the the people of Judah willingly allowed the people of Simeon into their territory to participate in their inheritance. And the, the spirit of humility and the spirit of compassion and the spirit of care has to come upon the people of Judah in order to accommodate the people of Simeon. And there's a lesson for us. That's why we see a lesson in humility. We are to avoid arrogance and pride. Remember, God rejects the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The Lord repeatedly tells us in the New Testament 
to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, Matthew 18, 4. Remember, whoever exalts himself will be brought down low, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted, it says in Luke chapter 14, verse 1. And so again, in verse 2, they had in their inheritance Beersheba, which is an important biblical place. Moladah, Hatsar, Shoal, Bala, Etzim. It's giving a list of the towns and the possessions. El Tolad, Betuel, Hormah, Ziklag. Ziklag is going to feature prominently in the book of Judges. Beth Markaboth, Hatsor Susa, Beth Leboth, Shuroin, 13 cities in their villages, Ain, Rimon, Ether, Ashan, four cities in their villages, and all the villages that were all around these cities as far as Balath, Be'ir, Ramah of the south, this was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Simeon according to their families. The inheritance of the children of Simeon was included in the share of the children of Judah. For the share of the children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of that people. And so again, sometimes the greatest blessing isn't going to simply come to an individual, but it's going to come to an individual via you. You're going to be the source. And so... Simeon's portion were two districts. The first district included 13 towns and their villages in verses 1 through 6. And then district 2 included four towns and their villages as far as Balat, Be'ir, Ramah in the south. Again, if you have a map, there's a, 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 a strip of desert called the Negev. And as you go down that Negev, it goes all the way south. And then we see a lesson on God's glorious grace in the second lot in verses 10 through 16. So again, in your Bible, in verse 10 it says, The third lot came out for the children of Zebulun, according to their families. And on the border of their inheritance was as far as Zadid. Their border went toward the west and to Maralah. It went to Dabashet and extended along the brook that is the east of Jokneim. Then from Sarid it went eastward toward the sunrise along the border of Chitzloth, Tabor, and went out toward Dabareth by passing Japhia. In verse 13, and from there it passed along on the east of Gathhefer toward Ethkatsin and extended to Rimon, which borders on Nia. Then the border went around it on the north side of Hanaton, and it ended in the valley of Jifna, El. Verse 15, included were Kata, Nahalal, Shimron, Idla, and here's one all of you know, Bethlehem. You go, I know that city. I know what's going to go on in that city. Twelve cities with their villages. This was the inheritance of the children of Zebulon, according to their families. These cities with their villages. Now, again, Zebulon was the younger brother of Issachar. 
And again, the natural birth order was Issachar, older, Zebulon, younger. But as the Bible often does, the birth order is reversed by God's grace. In the scripture, the Lord often allows the younger to receive favor over the older or over the elder. Well, how does that demonstrate God's glorious grace? Remember, God will favor the new birth over the old birth. And again, there's several examples that take place in the life of Isaac. Remember Esau and Jacob? They're twins. Esau is born first. Jacob is born second. But God's favor is on Jacob. Now, again, some of people wonder, well, why? Why, why are, the, are, are the orders reversed? Why in the world does Jacob receive preferential treatment? And why does um, the younger son of Joseph receive preferential treatment over the older son? What is it about this and about that? And again, I'm going to suggest to you it becomes a type and a picture of God's grace because God favors your spiritual birth over your physical birth. Each and every one of you, unless you're an angel who slipped in unaware who, and you were created in a divine act by God, I'm going to assume that everyone listening to me is, is a real human being and that they were really born physically with a, by a mom and a dad. But I'm hoping that all of you were born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And your spiritual birth takes precedence over your physical birth. By, by God's glorious grace, you're granted a new birth in the Lord Jesus. So our, our spiritual birth takes precedence over the natural birth. So Zebulon receives his inheritance before his older brother, Issachar. And so the boundaries are listed. They run from the west, Maralah, Dabasheth, to the brook near Joknaim. And again, the descriptions that are given are given according to the northeast, and then Hefer, and then five cities are named. The inheritance includes 12 cities. Why is this again important to you? Because it's going to outline the borders. And so we see now a lesson on the faithfulness of God from verses 17 through 23. The fourth lot came to Issachar. Now, the older brother is going to receive the inheritance for the children of Issachar according to their families. And their territory went to Jezreel. The Jezreel family, or excuse me, the valley of Jezreel is going to feature prominently in biblical literature. As a matter of fact, for each and every person who's often wondered how things are going to unfold and come to a conclusion, you've almost all of you have heard of the valley of Har Megiddo or Armageddon. That's in the valley of Jezreel. It included Chesulot, Shunim, Hafraim, Shion, Anaharath, Rabith, Kishon, Abetz, Remet, In Ganim, In Hada, and Beth Pazez. I like that one because it reminds me of Razmataz. 
By the way, if I were going to invent a drug, I would like, like to call it razzmatazepam. Just the name makes you want to take it. And look at verse 22. And the border reached to Tabor, Shahazma, and Beth Shemesh. Their border ended at the Jordan. Sixteen cities with their villages. This was the inheritance of the tribe of, our, of the children of Issachar, according to their families, the cities and their villages. Now again, this becomes a type and a picture of God's faithfulness. Is the first portion given to the younger? Yes. Does this mean that the older is forgotten? No. Remember what I've intimated. By law, the elder brother usually received the first and the greatest inheritance. God reverses the order. His glorious grace is the new birth. But what about the older brother? Now again, I want you to note, God doesn't reject the older brother. Issachar becomes a type. In a picture of the true believer who's accepted by God, accepted in the inheritance. Issachar is receiving his inheritance and the inheritance is then spelled out in the passage. What does this mean to you? And what does this mean to me? I hope you begin to understand that not every believer gets to be first in line. Even though you want to be, don't you? You want to be the first in the line. You want to be the first on the list. You want to be the first, the first, the first. But not every believer gets a position of prominence. Not every believer gets a position of notoriety. Not every believer gets their own radio program or television program. Not every believer writes a book that becomes a bestseller. But God is faithful. God is faithful to every believer who loves him, who serves him. God is faithful, it says in 1 Corinthians 1.9, by whom you were called into fellowship through his son, Jesus Christ. You'll remember in the New Testament, Andrew brings his brother, Peter. Now, what's interesting is Andrew comes to Jesus before Peter. But Peter will get the position of prominence. Peter will write at least two letters. Peter will figure predominantly in the narrative. And he will get to preach at Pentecost. Do you know how many letters Andrew wrote? Zero. Do you know how many recorded sermons we have of Andrew? Zero. But Andrew was willing to be number two in order for Jesus to be number one. And sometimes, sometimes we take a position. Not in the front of the line, but in the back of the line. And look, the next lesson of the fifth lot is a lesson about a great inheritance in verses 24 through 31. Look what it says. And the fifth lot came out for the tribe of the children of Azure, according to their families and their territory. It included Helkat, Ali, Betin, Akshaf. And then in verse 26, Alam Melech, 
Ahmad, and Mashal. It reached to Mount Carmel, westward along the brook Shihor, Libnath. It turned toward the sunrise. Okay, who remembers? The sun rises in the... No, it doesn't rise in the west. It rises in the east. The sun rises in the east and the sun sets in the class. The sun sets in the, the west. You know that. So, along the brook, Shihor, Libnath, verse 27, it turned toward the sunrise to Beth Dagon. It reached to Zebulun and the valley of Jephoth, El, and then northward toward Beth Emek and Ne'el, bypassing Kabul, which was on the left, including Ebron, Reob, Ammon, Cana, as far as the greater Sidon. And the border turned to Ramon, to the fortified city of Tyre. Then the border turned to Hosa and ended by the sea in the region of Aksib. Also, Uma, Afek, Reob were included. Twenty-two cities with the villages. These were the inheritance of the children of Azure, according to their families, their cities, and their villages. Now, the territories of Azure are bordered on the west by the Mediterranean Sea. Now, again, everyone... Think beachfront property. That's your inheritance. For those of you who grew up in another part of the world, maybe you understand about beaches. You understand about the Gulf Coast or the Florida Coast. Or like me in California, imagine if I said, and your inheritance is going to be from San Diego to San Francisco. And you go, dude... I get the beachfront property. This is the tribe along the seacoast, north of Carmel, all the way to Tyre and Sidon. This is modern Lebanon and its gigantic cedars. The inheritance included lush forests, mountains, valleys. We're talking about the most fertile areas with grapes. And so, again, it stood in an area that would have traffic from the north and the south and the east and the west. This particular inheritance was along the ancient seacoast route that went from the north in Assyria to the south in Egypt as the people were coming from Greece to Turkey all the way east to the ba to, to, towards Babylon. And so, again, it is a crossroads that's so important for trade. It was a part of the coastal route. And so the tribe of Azure was industrious and energetic. Azure was a group of people who would produce goods and services that would provide for all the rest of the tribes. Again, if you understand about California, if California were an independent country, it would have the fourth largest economy in the world. How much citrus and food and economy does California generate? Well, it becomes a, a picture of what the tribe of Azure would do. The tribe of Azure would succeed with a booming economy. And later, they would provide a yearly quota for the palace in Jerusalem, according to 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 7. And so here is a group of people that have almost unlimited resources 
commerce, trade. And what does that all mean? Some people get the desert, and some people get the seacoast. Do you know what the Bible says? To whom much is given, much is required. Has God blessed you? Has God done exceeding, abundant, above all that you could ask or think? The tribe of Asher has this almost unbelievable inheritance. My pastor Chuck Smith used to say that in the kingdom age, he goes, I'm hoping when Jesus returns, you know, I've got my eye on Oahu, the Hawaiian Islands. This is what Asher has. Green, lush forests, beautiful beaches. But we also see a lesson on the great conquest. Look what it says in verses 32 through 39. We read, The sixth lot came out to the children of Naphtali. For the children of Naphtali, according to their families, and their border began at Heleph, enclosing the territory from the terebinth tree in Za'anim, Admi, Nekeb, and Jebneel, as far as Lakum, it ended at the Jordan, that is, at the Jordan River to the east. It says, from Heleph to the border extended westward to Atznot, Tabor, and went out from there toward Hukok. It adjoined Zebulun on the south side. Azure on the west side ended at Judah by the Jordan toward the sunrise. And pay close attention to these next few verses. And the fortified cities are Zedim, Zer, Chamat, Rakat, Kineret, Adma, Rama, Hatsor. Hatsor was one of the largest cities in the ancient world at that time. Kedesh. Edri in Hatsor, Iron, it looks like iron, but it's Iron, Migdal, El Orim, Bet Anat, Bet Shemesh, 19 cities and their villages. This was the inheritance of the tribe of Naphtali, according to their families, the cities and their villages. Once again, Naphtali provides yet another picture of great conquest. By the power of God. The text speaks of the southern border. The western border. And then the fortified cities. Now, what are fortified cities? Fortified cities are the places where the enemy is entrenched. These are strongholds. These are places that were held in order to control the area. 16 fortified cities are mentioned. These fortified cities housed formidable enemies. 16 cities. Now, one of two things had to have happened. Joshua had to subdue these cities. Or the people of Naphtali had to subdue these cities. But either way, they had to be subdued. And you know what that speaks of? Victory. It, victory over the enemies. 
Again, it becomes a type and a picture that if we walk faithfully in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to have victory. Again, we've talked repeatedly that the Christian faces enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil. We live in a world where there's a constant, constant terror. We walk in victory by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want peace with our neighbors. We want victory over anger. We know that we live in a broken world, in a hostile world. We face problems in our life, in our family, in our business. People struggle with all kinds of addictions and fears and discouragement and depression. But no matter what our enemy is, we can face the enemy. In Christ. Remember, Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you so that you would have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world in John chapter 16, verse 33. And remember, Paul, in the book of Romans, in chapter 8, talks about what can separate us from the love of, of Christ. Paul included on the laundry list tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Paul says, no, in all of these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul was persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things future, height, death, no other creature can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus the Lord. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 35, and verses 37 through 39. So this tribe is going to go into an area that doesn't want to give up. Remember what I've repeatedly told you throughout this study. They're to possess the land. They're to remove the people who live there. And remember the people who live there, they don't want to leave. And it becomes a type and a picture for you. Jesus Christ is your Lord. He wants to occupy you. He wants to occupy every portion of your life. He wants to occupy your thought life, your reading life, your entertainment life. Everything that has to do with anything. And finally, there's a lesson in weakness. In verses 40 through 48. You might read it and you go, I don't see it, Gino, but listen carefully. The seventh lot came out for the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families. And the territory of their inheritance was Zorah, Ishtaol, Ir Shemesh, Shal Abim, Ajalon, Jethla, Ilon, Timna, Ekron, Eltika, Gibeton, Belat, Jehud, Beneberach, Gat Rimon, Me Jarkon, Rakon, and the region near Joppa. This region near Joppa is, again, part of a coastal city and an important port. Joppa is going to be the place where Jonah is going to try and run from God as he's tasked 
with preaching to the Ninevites. And on the border of the children of Dan, it went beyond these. Because the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem and took it. And they struck it with the edge of the sword. They took possession of it and dwelt in it. Well, that's good. They called Leshem Dan after the name of Dan, their father. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families. These cities were their villages. Now, in verse 47, the border of Dan goes way further north. But they stop at Leshem. Yes, they have victory. They confront the weaker enemy that's near them. But they refuse to confront the stronger enemy that's far away. Why is that important to you and me? I think it's because sometimes Christians are willing to face the weaker things. But they sometimes refuse to deal with the stronger things. The tribe of Dan confronts the weaker enemy, defeats the weaker enemy, but then ignores the stronger enemy. Becomes a type, a picture, again, of spiritual weakness, of fear, doubt. It's a lack of faith, a refusal to go forward. Again, the city of Leshem is mentioned. They conquer the city. They settle in that city. They fear the greater enemy. They fear confronting the greater enemy. And so they have a weak faith. You know what they're not willing to do? They're not willing to put their faith to the test. To believe God. To trust God. To go forward. To move ahead. And it would appear in Israel's history that that Dan is always wavering and always weak. And so it is that we have to be on on guard against spiritual weakness. The Bible says we're to hate evil. We're to love what's good. We're to gird and guard ourselves against doubt and fear and a lack of faith. Are you uncertain? about your walk in Christ? Are you uncertain in the present? Are you in a constant state of hesitation and reluctance? Do you constantly struggle to trust the Lord? Are you in this constant retreat and refusal to confront your enemy? But God wants you to experience your inheritance to truly possess what belongs to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, the chapter is going to end with a lesson about a faithful leader. Look what it says in verse 49. When they made an end of dividing the land as an inheritance according to their borders, the children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua, the son of Nun. Remember? We followed Joshua, for those of you who have been with me. 
through the first five books of Moses. Remember, I gave you all of the appearances of Joshua and how he would have to become Moses' servant before he was Moses' successor. And he would need to cultivate certain things in order to do what God had called him to do. In verse 50, it says, according to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city, which he asked for. Timnath, Serah, in the mountains of Ephraim, or Ephraim. And he built the city, and he dwelt in it. Joshua's inheritance is given last. And I want you to note several things. Remember, Joshua becomes, is a type and a picture of our own Lord Jesus in many ways. He is the one who has to conquer and occupy the land. He's going to motivate them. He gives them all of the things, and he's the last on the list. He makes sure the other tribe's inheritance is clearly defined. And I'm very careful with what I say. He makes sure that their inheritance is clearly defined. But remember, they've been instructed to possess what's been given to them. And then the children give Joshua an inheritance. They basically say, take what you want. It would appear that they may not have offered him a choice spot. And Joshua made his own choice. Timnath, Serah. It's about 11 miles from Shiloh. Now remember, for those of you who have been following along, they've penetrated the land, the the tabernacle is at Shiloh. This is the place where they're receiving instruction and guidance. And so Joshua is about 11 miles from where they're at. It's a barren place. As a matter of fact, let me just be blunt. It's one of the worst places. Imagine your inheritance is, guess what God has assigned to you? Death valley and you go yay <laughs> or what if it went something like this you've got a place in California really is it by the coast no is there lush vegetation no is there choice springs no it's a desert it's desolate now, you'll remember when Abraham was faced with a decision with his nephew Lot. Remember, their herds became too great. And the, the, the herdsmen of Lot began to have disputes with the herdsmen of Abraham. And Abraham said, we're family. Let's not argue. Here's what we'll do. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go forward, I'll go backwards. You pick, and I'll take what's left over. Lot chose the choicest land, and he left Abraham with the less than choice land. What's important about that? Even when Abraham gave deference to his nephew Lot, Abraham is still going to get the choicest possession because he has the Lord. And God is going to make sure that Abraham is taken care of. And so Joshua chooses a city. I want you to think about this for just a moment. He chooses a, a place that's desolate, that's destroyed. He chooses a place where the city has been demolished and it's going to have to be 
totally rebuilt. The reason why I like this is because Joshua is in the restoration business. Irving Jensen writes, quote, He asked for Timnat Sera, a city in the hill country of his own tribe, Ephraim, on the bleak north side of the mountain of Gash. That's Judges chapter 2, verse 9. We'll see it again in, um, in Joshua chapter 24. This is the place where he will live for the next 40 years. This is the place that he will die. This place is not paradise. It's not rich in fertility or beauty. It's a place that's going to have to be carefully managed. It's going to have to be carefully built up. And then he's going to live in it. And he's going to die in it. The inheritance of Joshua gives us a glimpse into the character of the man. He is strong. He's hardworking. He's diligent. He's faithful. This last week, I, I went and visited my son Anthony and his wife and children in Buffalo, Wyoming. To get to Buffalo, Wyoming, you have to go through Cheyenne, and then you have to go through Casper, and you're still not there. And you keep going, and you keep going, and you keep going, and you keep going in this desolate, desolate place. You're surrounded by cattle ranchers and sheep ranchers. I, I actually literally counted out of every five vehicles, four of them were trucks. There's more sheep and cows in Wyoming than there are people. There are more people driving on Wadsworth Boulevard right at this very moment than probably live in all of northern Wyoming. But the people are hardworking. They're industrious. They're self-sufficient. They're no-nonsense. But they're also very gracious and very kind. And so Joshua, like many leaders, instead of taking what's best for himself, he takes what's least so that they could have more. And look at verse 51. These were the inheritances which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel divided as an inheritance by Lot in Shiloh before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So they made an end of dividing the country. How was the land divided? You know the answer, by Lot. How was the land divided? You know the answer. It was the supernatural guidance of God. God himself determined the portion for each individual tribe. God himself determines your portion. What you've been given. You already know what I'm about to say. How many of you got to choose your mom and dad? Oh, one of you. Good for you. Praise the Lord. You're the first hand that's ever gone up when I've answered that question. Most people don't get to choose their parents. Their parents, you just get potluck. I mean, you have a mom and a dad. and I know if I got to choose my parents, I would have said, give me a billionaire. Give me someone... Give me a normal family. 
don't, give, don't place me in a dysfunctional family. Maybe you've prayed that same prayer. Lord, I didn't pick these people. I didn't pick these people to be my brothers and my sisters. God determined where you were going to be. God determined your portion. They had to rely on the presence of the Lord and the guidance of the Lord to lead them to their inheritance and their possession. But remember what we've already learned. In Jesus, you're more than conquerors. In Jesus, you're the object of his love. You're born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're a child of God because he saved you. You're an heir with Christ, Romans 8, 17. According to the book of Ephesians, you're chosen and adopted and accepted. You're forgiven and justified. You're redeemed in Christ. And you are certain because God has made it clear that he's for you. He's not against you. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. In John 15, 15, he said, I no longer call you servants, but now I call you friends. You have a friendship with Christ. You're reconciled to God. You have peace with God. You're a new creation by God. You're not bound by sin. You're no longer under the principle of the law. You have been made alive. And you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And you can claim the title saint no matter how much it annoys your Roman Catholic family. Especially at the family reunions and you say, you could call me Saint Gino. No, I'm not gonna do it. It's not going to happen. 51 verses. But there's a lesson in their inheritance. It becomes a type and a picture. How many of you really want humility? And holiness. How many of you want righteousness to be raised up in heaven, a branch on the vine, predestined, called, justified, glorified? We're going to have communion in just a moment. And in that communion, we get to celebrate what's been given to us in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness, hope, and a future. So, we're going to pray. If you didn't get the elements, you might want to go back and get them. I don't see any up here for me. So I'm going to even have to go up or go back and get one. But let me pray for you. And then while I'm praying and I go get the elements of communion, oh, Carolyn will show up, which is great. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's so interesting to me that according to Ephesians 1.18, I'm God's inheritance. I'm God's workmanship. 
I'm a member of God's household with Israel, according to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm an heir with Israel in Christ. I'm a priest according to 1 Peter 2, 5. I can understand what God has given to me because I'm an ambassador of Christ. I'm God's possession. And Heavenly Father, I pray that each and every person within the sound of my voice would begin to understand, appreciate, and embrace their inheritance that we're called to be slaves to God, not slaves to sin, but we're to be slaves to God and to righteousness. Lord, you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And so, Lord, again, as, ye, as we prepare to receive communion, Lord, I pray that you would prepare hearts. Lord, I pray that, that you would bring to mind and heart those things that we need to pay attention to. Lord, if we've disappointed or if we've been distracted, Lord, if there's some sin that we're struggling with, Lord, we know that that doesn't disqualify us from communion. We just want, want to be able to recognize it, identify it, confess it, forsake it, and then ask for you to forgive it by the sacrifice in the blood of Jesus. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't partake in an unworthy fashion, but that we would take seriously our love for and commitment to Jesus, that we would take seriously the covenant that, that's been made and the relationship and the fellowship that we have. Lord, like the psalmist, we, we pray that you would search us, O oh God, and know our hearts that you would try us and know our soul, that you would see if there's any wicked way in us and that, Lord, you would be our leader and guide us in the way of ever everlasting. And so, Lord, again, we pray that you prepare our hearts for communion in Jesus' name. Amen. Just make sure you hold the elements until we all have a chance to partake together.